0: En Missoula... Zach Cruz is staying home to play for the Grizzlies. Hello, I am Coulter Milanes. Cruz, one of the top athletes and football prospects in the state of Montana, gave his verbal commitment to Montana over the weekend. The Missoula Sentinel star will be a senior for the defending Class AA state champion Spartans this upcoming season. Cruz was a first-team All-State selection as a tight end and a defensive end as a junior. He also placed third at the 205 pound weight class in the Class AA state wrestling meet, his first year participating in the sport at the varsity level. And in track, the foot 195 pound took home state titles in the 110 hurdles and the javelin while placing second in the high jump and running a leg on the bronze medal winning sprint relay team as Sentinel captured the team title. Cruz chose Montana over an identical full ride from Montana State along with interest from schools across the West like Boise State and Sac State. Cruz is the seventh known verbal commitment to Montana for the class of 2020 including the fifth from the Treasure State. He joins Helena High quarterback Caden Hewitt, Helena High running back Marcus Evans, Hamilton quarterback defensive back Tyson Rostad and Kalispell kicker and punter Patrick Rohrbach. UM also has commitments from Sam Alford, a wide receiver from Park City, Utah, and Eli Gilman, a running back from Minnesota. And finally, the Missoula Paddleheads. Hit a Pioneer League record, nine home runs on Saturday night in a 23-6 win over the Great Falls Voyagers. Nick Gatewood and Cameron Thompson each hit three home runs, and Zach Ullman hit a grand slam for Missoula. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Welcome back. New on as now, 1029. Yes, we have Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Broadcast to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport is new to Missoula. They're located at the corner of Stevens and Mount. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can also go check out that inventory online at NWMSRocks.com. That's NWMSRocks.com. Miss anything in the first hour of the show? Brooks Nuana has joined us to break down the Bobcats. He went to three practices last week. I'll be heading over to Bozeman this week as well. Uh, maybe we'll have a little opportunity to compare and contrast what we've seen once I've seen both uh, Montana and Montana State in person. Uh, we also joined by Zach Cruz, Missoula Sentinel senior, and the latest commit to the University of Montana football team. And uh, that's a big get for Montana, uh, particularly when it comes to the in-state recruiting battle. But he's also a guy, I think, that has a ton of potential, a ton of upside if you want to hear anything from today's show, including that Zach Cruz interview? Check it out on the podcast. N U A N E Z will get you there. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars preferred, all that good stuff. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and SportsBet Montana. Back at the saddle. It's been a few months, but Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me here on Nuana's now. I got all sorts of questions for you before we even talk football. First and foremost, what did you think of Guns N' Roses on Friday night? Oh,
1: what a great time. It was great. I mean, I think from an experience side of view, I think we all were ready for Grizz to be packed again, no matter what it was, right? Guns N' Roses. I'll admit I didn't really have high expectations going into it, and they exceeded them for me as far as the show was great i still i didn't think they were washed up by any stretch of the imagination and it's just great to see 14,000 people together again and enjoying something and uh Kind of gave me a little preview for 28 days from Guns N' Roses, what would be happening for a night game at Wa Grizz, but I had a great time. I know that we had touched base during it, and it was just a, a fun, wild weekend. I mean, your left ear doesn't work, and, <laughs> and I feel like I've inhaled so much smoke from being oh, up, man, uh, that you truth. know, camping up uh, north for the weekend, And but yeah, hey, we're still here and we're rolling, but it was a fun time. They did a great job.
0: No question, and Guns N' Roses, they just have such a unique spot in music history, because To have an album like their first album, be as big and as famous as it was, and then to go on a almost three-year world tour, and then to release another double album that debuted at number one. I mean, these guys sold 50 million records in the span of six years, and then they fizzled out. They had to disappear from the limelight, because of course they did. They went on two different world tours that were cumulatively lasted about five total years. So. That'll burn anybody out. And uh, it was fun to have them here in Missoula. They looked great. They sounded great. And uh, it was an awesome night. Nathaniel Raylift right in the Night Sweats the next night. Super fun as well. Fits in the Tantrums, just played us in there. And I'm going to that tomorrow. So I'm going to be fully concerted up by the end of this I three
1: was, in one week. I was going to say, do you have your rain gear? You ready to go? Is, is that what it is? It's rain, is it rain the next two days. Mm. But you know what? It's good beer drinking weather. Well, right?
0: that's true. and I mean, I went to Gary Clark Jr. at the amp, uh, summer of 2019, and it was the, one of the rainiest days I've ever seen in Missoula, and uh, I had a great time. It was fun. So uh, always good. Okay, so I have a, a two-part question for you. I know you've been having the greatest summer of all time. <laughs> Trying. What was the best round of golf that you shot, and what was the coolest course that you played?
1: Wow, great questions,
0: first off. N- number one, Best round... This guy's a stick, by the way, so he's going to impress you with whatever he says right here.
1: Best round was a 70. Whoa, well, that's cool. I know. Getting under par I, yeah, now. I got under par Were the, you hot on the putter? At the, at the country club. It was, it was uh, a hot day. I think 24 putts in 18 holes was all it took, so the up and down game was strong. 70 was the best score, and you know... Wilderness Club, Coulter. Very nice. Yeah, Yeah, you got up there. It's hard to beat that, especially here in the state where you might get the experience of other courses, but uh, just the straight track up there in Eureka, Wilderness Club, is hard to beat. But uh, I will have to admit, ever since Grizz Football has started, this will surprise you. I have not picked up a golf club in the last two weeks. So I kind of went after it through the member guest, and then uh, it's been full speed ahead here with Grizzly Football, but... I know that uh, we still have one or two more golf rounds in our future. For I know that you were telling me you need some strokes or something. Is
0: that right? <laughs> you need a I always need some strokes, man. <laughs> I, I broke eighty for the first time. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did. I was. We're at. I, I was. I can't remember. Okay. I. Uh, I was. Uh, for the first time in my life, raining putts. So that was good. How
1: mm. nervous were you on eighteen? Because you True. knew you okay, were. Okay, so I, I
0: came in at a seventy-eight uh, uh, final round, but I got a seven on eighteen. Jeez. Yeah, I know that th- 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 golf stories are just like fishing stories. They're just like your yep. fantasy football team. No one cares, but I have to tell Riley this just because he is my friend as well as a contributing member of this show. So I get up to 18. I, s- I smoke a drive, hit it like 290. Then I hit a four iron about 230, right to the edge of the of the uh, green there. But you know how there's like that little downhill yep. dip? So I'm, I'm, da- I'm chipping from up there. I chip it right on the fringe. It sticks and then rolls back. Nonchalantly, they go up there it again Same thing I'm like, okay, well now So now you're now I'm li- Now I'm lying five So now I gotta go up, oh. boom And I, so I just flopped right in the middle of the green And then 2 putted from there But it was almost a disaster
1: If you would've gotten an eight And got an 80 instead of a 79 <laughs> Or I guess you shot 70 78, if yeah If you yeah. would've blown it on that last hole there might have been well, some therapy in your future. I was
0: playing with a couple guys that have been involved with Chris football for a little while. Actually, Jackson Groff was a, a, a student assistant now there, and he was just making fun of me so bad because he knew exactly <laughs> what I was going for, right. here, and he he had, he's just new to golf, so he was hacking it up. So he was like, come on, bro, get it up here, just putt it, and so I, I did it. So regardless, like I said, no one cares about my golf rounds, but I had to ask Riley because I know he's been having a good time. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana television. All right, let's talk football. Um, I went to I have actually been fortunate enough to see at least part of practice every day. I have only watched one practice from start to finish, but I uh, haven't um, I have uh, I, I haven't been able to stay for the whole time, most of the time. So I ha- I've seen Unbelievable amount of special teams and individual drills. Stretching. You've seen a lot of stretching, too. A lot of stretching. But I just like watching the guys move around. I did get a chance for about half an hour today to watch the linemen just do some get-off drills and stuff. To me, it's not necessarily this time of year. It's not necessarily about um, analyzing the plays that are being run. It's more just looking at the guys. Like, how do they move? Who's the leader? You can just tell so many things by how guys run from drill to drill. Like, for example, you don't need to watch Justin Belknap line up anywhere. You just watch him for a while, and you realize he's really risen to a leadership position he's a guy that's getting them going he's leading the chance as they run across the field all that stuff so uh fun being back out there but before we get into some of the specifics just some impressions you've had so far
1: i mean the first word that would come to mind is crisp right they were very, very crisp. crisp from the beginning and i know this is a wild statement to say on day one of week two but it almost feels like They're kind of ready for a game. I mean, they have had so much build-up to this point of getting ready for this fall season and getting ready and hearing about Washington that, to me, they look a little bit ahead of where they normally would be here in fall camp to where it's kind of like they're waiting for game week. So I am very intrigued to see what the energy is going to be like, can they maintain it these next two weeks? Because culture, I've been pretty darn impressed, as I know you have been too. We've watched and said, okay, this is not a normal first practice of the fall. This team just seems very motivated for for a lot of different reasons. Um, They feel that they're back. They feel that this is the year they've been working towards. But I know that Coach Houck, and I hope he's having some meetings right now and listening to this, because (laughs) he's going to tell you that there's a lot of position battles out there. For me... I kind of see a solidified one unit right now, do you? and I do on, on both sides of the ball where, yes, there's going to be some question marks, kickers at the top of the list there, sure. but when I look at that number one offense, to me, it's more of a surprise when I don't see the 11 guys out there that I've become accustomed to seeing.
0: I think that the number one offense is basically solidified, although I do think there'll be a pretty heavy rotation at running back, and I think there's going to be a lot of guys, I mean, I think that Ryan Simpson, Malik Flowers, like guys that are sort of friend like 1.5s or 2s with the offense. They're going to get some snaps there, too. But I agree. The offense is, is, you know, you expect to see Sammy, Cam, Gabe, Solster and Mitch Roberts. That's what you expect. You expect to see Cam Humphrey. You expect to see A.J. Forbes at center, Conlon Beaver, and Dylan Cook at tackle. I think there'll be some rotations at the guard spots, rotations at receiver, rotation at running back. So uh, And and tight end, too. I think Cole Grossman's done a great job. Uh, but I do think that those there's some opportunity for some un, maybe uh, lesser-known guys get playing time there. On defense, though... I think that the term starter is actually very arbitrary on defense because I'm watching what they're doing on defense, and I think that they're literally going to play 25 guys. And I I think that's the whole point of what they want to do.
1: Yes, I think you're right, especially at the corner position. That's one, too, where you're maybe not used to seeing rotations of three or four guys. I legitimately can't put my finger on one through four. It depends on the day. And it's not because, oh gosh, three of them weren't very good today. It's more of, man, they keep challenging each other and they keep rising up to the next level where I don't think it's out of the question, Coulter, that at corner you might see Acho So and Corbin Walker, a freshman and a sophomore, roll out there. I mean, everyone expects Omar Hicks Onu to be there and Justin Ford. And absolutely, on paper, those could be the two most talented guys. But at any given time, you could see any of those corners we know by now. And it took me a couple years to get used to the defensive line rotations, right? Between Coach Sachs, Coach Bear, Coach Halko, how they do it where... There's not just the one unit, just like what you were saying. You're going to see two to three deep at each position on the line. Linebacker spot. I see four guys for three spots. I mean, you got, and and they're all Montana natives, which will be fun for Grizz fans this year. Jace Lewis, he looks the part. That leadership role, and I know leader is thrown out a lot, right? If you're a senior, it just seems automatic that the word leader could come with it. But that's earned throughout your time. And Jace Lewis, whether it was Josh Buss, I mean, his Twitter bio still to this day says Josh Buss is backup. Right? And so he learns from those guys all the way up to where I watch number 37 out there. I'm really impressed. 37-17, and 17, which is Jace Lewis and Robbie Houck, constant communication with everybody else. So I'm impressed defensively, and you're right. I think that they are going to play upwards of, you know, 18-20 guys where linebacker, that might be the one spot where you see the least amount of rotation, but you've got O'Connell, Wellnell, Braxton Hill. That's a name to watch out for
0: this year as well. For sure, no question about it. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Colter Nuñez in studio talking all things Grizz football. Right now. It's a football-heavy show. Why? Because it's football season. That's what we do around here. Um, I think that I'm so interested to see the diversification in their defensive scheme based on the upgrades in personnel. In other words, they've been playing this sort of three-safety look. And like Josh Sandry, the first year that they were playing that look, he had to play that rover spot a lot. He was really good at the rover spot when it meant he was playing in the box or he was in run support he wasn't quite as good when he when he was matched up with a slot. But they didn't have very many guys to rotate in there. Nash Fauch kind of came on early that first year and he had some good ball skills and he became kind of their third down rover so to speak. But now I I just I think that there's an opportunity there where maybe that the third like the fifth DB so to speak is sometimes a rover, sometimes a blitzer, sometimes a nickel. Some I mean I just think that they could even they can convolute this even more because their whole defense is... Uh, Bobby Halcock be the first to tell you. It's a smoke-and-mirrors defense. But improved play on the perimeter will then mean improved play on the front line, which will then mean more linebackers running free, which will then mean you can have all these different guys playing these different spots. And I'm just so interested to see how it all plays out because I think that you could see an O'Connell playing an outside linebacker on one play and a big nickel on another play or an edge guy on another play, or you can see all these different guys moving around. Gavin Robinson sometimes might be... he might look like he's lined up as a linebacker, even though he's the safety in the game. Well, he looks I just, like a
1: linebacker, too. He does look like a linebacker.
0: I, I, just think, I just think they have an opportunity to diversify it quite a bit.
1: I think a, a one word that gets thrown out a lot, and I'm guilty of it, too, is versatility. When you talk about a player or a scheme or just a style of play, but this Grizzly team has it for what they want to do on both sides of the ball or offensively, you're going to see under center, you're going to see gun a lot, you're going to see one tight end sets, followed by three tight end sets. And just going back to the defensive side of things that we were just touching on, the one guy, Coulter, and we might get into this as far as, you know, who's a, who could be a star that you don't know about right now. A name to me, is Trajan Cotton because sure. he is someone from Oregon State where kind of got lost in the fold
0: because of injury. He's banged up in the spring a little bit, so he didn't give me
1: reps. Exactly. But when you talk about versatility, yeah. he's a guy that can play corner and safety. So as you progress here and he gets back to 100% late September conference season, he's the guy that could absolutely throw different looks. My key on it, I know we're going to touch on UC Davis later, and you mentioned Tim Plow leaving, mm-hmm. but. Offensive is just around the league, it's going to be interesting for us and for you specifically to ask these guys throughout the year how they prepare for a team like Montana that is going to throw them different looks each game, each week, everything in between.
0: The the best that the Grizz defense can look is what they looked like in the last home game of the regular season in 2019 against Weber State. They pulverized Weber State. When the, it, it's a... It's hard to articulate this, but it's a momentum based scheme where when you are, you start smacking, 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 blitzing, blitzing, blitzing. Once the opposing offense gets knocked onto their heels, they just start melting down. The Grizz have gotten in some situations where the other team took the, the punch, and then if you can counter, then all of a sudden you can start taking advantage. We saw actually Jake Constantine and Weaver State do that a little bit in the first half. That McPherson kid, Ty McPherson, he went over 100 yards receiving in the first half because Constantine realized, okay, they're blitzing me every time. I got to find wherever the single corner is and just throw it to that guy. One, two, three, throw it. But then Montana took that away, and then all of a sudden it was – a long day for Jay Constantine and the Weber State offense. So, it'll be interesting to see how much the, the uh, depth improves just the entire defensive attack. Well,
1: and a question I want to throw back at you sure. as well because it's a huge storyline, and I love the piece that you and Andrew had on SkylineSportsMT.com about the quarterbacks in this league, right? And and how it's going to be different this year because there's only two returning signal callers in Barrier and Davis Alexander, right. right? Well, the Grizz don't play Portland State, so the only returner that yep. has seen this defense before is Eric Berrier. So next level, how do these new quarterbacks, number one, the skill's fantastic, but number two, how are these new quarterbacks going to figure out on the fly what Kemp Bear and this multiple defense is going to do? That's another layer of this that obviously I think benefit Grizzlies.
0: There's no question. I mean, I, I consider myself to have a pretty high level of football knowledge when it comes to the schematics of things. My brother has an exceptional level as somebody that played college football for three and a half years, including playing for Bobby Houck. It took Brooks and I probably till the midpoint of 2019 to even close to understand what Montana was doing. And so if if, And I'm not saying... I mean, all I'm saying is uh, with a week of preparation, it is very, very tough uh, to discern and decipher. And I do think it's going to continue to diversify because they have so many guys now that they trust playing. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. Uh, I agree with you on Cotton, too. I think Trajan Cotton is a guy... He's very smart, and I think he's, he's a good... Uh, he, ha- he has, he's very mature. So I think he's a guy that other guys on the team already look to. So if he can reassume his health, I think he could be uh, a big contributor. Uh, one guy that's uh, gotten a lot of buzz ever since he committed, who I think it's worth touching on. We haven't talked much on this show about he's been taking his lump so far in fall camp because that's what, uh, they want, but it's Daniel Britt, the quarterback from Vegas, about every third or fourth series, they roll him out there against the one defense and, uh, the one defense does not take it easy on Daniel Britt. Uh, we've heard a lot of expletives. Get that high school stuff out of here one time, Robbie Houck says to him. Um, but people have been asking me about him because he's a highly recruited guy, a guy that took down Bishop Gorman, one of the great dynasties in the history of high school football uh, in the Las Vegas area. And I gather, I know that Tim Rosebaugh, the offensive coordinator, really liked when he was coming in. And so it's t- sort of hard to gauge because he's just basically, when he's doing well, he's going against the other freshmen in the threes. And when he's doing poorly, it's because he's going against what's expected to be one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, but just your thoughts on Daniel Brett so far.
1: I mean, potential, he he has it. And I think that there's a method to the madness, right? Why is he going against ones where if you want a rep of, maybe for him to gain some confidence, you wouldn't have it be that way? That's what Bobby Houck wants. He expects, and... and I would guess Daniel Britt is going to redshirt this year. I mean, that is the, the full expectation, but they want to get him ready to potentially be that guy that can push Chris Brown in the future, and I think that potential's off the, li- off the charts for him. Uh, you can really tell speed of the game. The speed of the game is just not quite there yet. The decision-making, maybe throwing balls up that you would get away with at the high school level, not translating yet, but I, it's funny. I talked with Coach Rosenbaugh about Daniel Britt before practice today and and there was no hesitation that he is coming along exactly how he should. Um, We're challenging him as much as we can and and Coulter the final week actually of this fall camp you're going to see more once the position battles are, are kind of done for the Grizz you're going to see in the final scrimmage it's basically the threes kind of going at each other a little bit and I think that's when you're going to see Daniel Britt and the coaches are really going to see if in three weeks he progresses and he is really taking in the offense like the coaching staff expects, but uh, he has a ton of potential, I don't expect to see him out there this year. But uh, there's a reason why he's going against the ones.
0: One other interesting fold, and then I'm gonna we're gonna take a break here just a quick minute because I you, I know you interviewed Kent Bear today, so I want to uh, get some feedback on that, just the, uh, some of the insight from a guy uh, that coach has coached college football for more than 40 years. I actually got a chance to talk to Coach Bear after practice on Friday as well, just exchanging pleasantries. But he made a comment that I'll share with you here uh, in a a little bit as well. But one last point in terms of quarterbacks and the offense. We talk about the depth on the Grizz defense. When you look out there, you look at the twos right now, you got a guy like Jacob McGowering, who I think has the opportunity to be one of the better pass rushers on the team. And if he fulfills his potential, he will be one of the better pass rushers in the league guy like Eli Alford, who made tremendous strength gains in the offseason and a guy that's going to rotate heavily with Alex Gubner at one of those inside positions. And uh, then you look at you know, Braxton Hill, a, a borderline-type starter there uh, on the inside. Uh, you look at uh, guys like Nash Fouch and Justin Ford and Anche so, Ancho So and a, a whole bunch of guys that are among the more talented guys at their positions on the team. I think Justin Ford is the best corner of the Grizz got. He's running with the twos right now. This is all to say that I think that Chris Brown has done a great job of pushing Cam Humphrey. I know that there's this narrative that there was a quarterback battle coming into this thing. I actually think that Bobby Houck, his tactic is proving to be absolutely the one that they needed because I think Humphrey could feel the heat from Chris Brown. I think Cam Humphrey has performed exceptionally well. I thought he's looked really good pretty much every day of fall camp. But that's all to say that Brown has been going against a number two defense that uh, at about seven of the 11 positions on the field, have guys that are among the most talented positions on the Grizz team. So I actually think that Montana is benefiting twofold. Cam Humphrey looks good. He's reacting well to getting pushed by Chris Brown, but Chris Brown's probably getting made better than more better than anybody because he's going against a unit that's so talented.
1: Well, I think that, that Coach Halleck was very fortunate in the regard of how the spring games played out. It was perfect for both quarterbacks to sit on that for a couple months because what, what were we all talking about in April? Man, Chris Brown looks good. He looks good. Well, that was supposed to be implemented in Cam's head pretty much the entire time of, I need to be ready when the start of fall camp comes. And I've seen that as well. And we talk about it every year, but I think even more so this year, Coulter, that you have to understand what this Grizzly offense is going against every day. Not only does the Grizzly defense, my opinion, the strength of this team for sure, But number two, they know the plays that are going to be run back and forth. So they have to go through another layer of this, too. And I I feel you're absolutely correct that to me, the only quarterback battle that's going on is the number three. Sure. Because it's no doubt Cam's number one. uh, Chris Brown is there at number two. And he's gotten better. And you know this. He's taking more impactful reps. In practice today than he did in those spring games. Because no disrespect to those two opponents, but who he's going against right now, to your point, those number twos that are going to be significant factors, he's getting tested. And the decision-making, quicker for Chris Brown. I've seen definite improvement from him since he started last year and was very, very raw, I guess in 2019. And now he is a, a solidified backup that, hey, if something goes wrong with Cam Humphrey, let's just say the first quarter against Idaho happens again where... Two or three picks, I don't think Coach Alc would hesitate.
0: I don't think he, I mean, Coach Alc will never hesitate. <laughs> he doesn't even believe in the notion of, of uh, the quarterback's the one that wins you the championship. He believes in the notion that every player on the team wins you a championship. That's why he's such a, a compelling coach to cover. Nuanes now, 129 ESPN, Missoula Rally, Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, with me, Coulter Nuana's. I'm going to tell you a little, uh, little story about Kent Bear and my conversation at Rally, give you some feedback on the interview he had with Montana's veteran defensive coordinator right after this. Zula, Zach Cruz is staying home to play for the Grizzlies. Hello, I am Coulter nuanes Cruz, one of the top athletes and football prospects in the state of Montana, gave his verbal commitment to Montana over the weekend. The Missoula Sentinel star will be a senior for the defending Class AA state champion Spartans this upcoming season. Cruz was a first-team All-State selection as a tight end and a defensive end as a junior. He also placed third at the 205 pound weight class in the Class AA state wrestling meet, his first year participating in the sport at the varsity level. And in track, the 6'4", 195 pound took home state titles in the 110 hurdles and the javelin while placing second in the high jump and running a leg on the bronze medal winning sprint relay team as Sentinel captured the team title. Cruz chose Montana over an identical full ride from Montana State along with interest from schools across the West like Boise State and Sac State. Cruz is the seventh known verbal commitment to Montana for the class of 2020 including the fifth from the Treasure State. He joins Helena High quarterback Caden Hewitt, Helena High running back Marcus Evans, Hamilton quarterback defensive back Tyson Rostad and Kalispell kicker and punter Patrick Rohrbach. UM also has commitments from Sam Alford, a wide receiver from Park City, Utah, and Eli Gilman, a running back from Minnesota. And then finally, the Missoula Paddleheads hit a Pioneer League record, nine home runs on Saturday night in a 23-6 win over the Great Falls Voyagers. Nick Gatewood and Cameron Thompson each hit three home runs, and Zach Alman hit a grand slam for Missoula. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
1: Our blood can crackle with blame. Here also lies to find our embrace too soon. And
0: piercing the place where even the moon. What was your favorite part about Friday night, Tommy? Dealer. After sitting in a beer line for ninety <laughs> something minutes, I got our seats in our section, and Tommy was not there yet. And he was like, "I'm in a drink line." I was like, "Cool, buy me around. I'll buy you the next round." He comes down like an hour later. It was like I'm never going back up there again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a very long wait. So that first sip after that long wait, Coulter, amazing. That was best your part of the night. That was your best part. How, how cold was it? Tommy. Um, On a 10 scale, about four. But that's better than a one, Riley. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'll See, take it. That's what I like, Tommy. He's a glass half full guy. There's so many glass half empty guys out here. Tommy looks at the good. That's right. You've got
0: to. Nuanas now two ninety ESPN, Missoula, SWX Montana, television around the great state of Montana. I'm Coulter Nuanas, Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz. Join me in studio. It's a Northwest Motorsports Studio. Go check them out online, nwmsrocks.com, of course. Tommy Evans, the main man in the back, helping us out with all of our engineering and production needs. I uh, got a chance to go to the Holgers practice on Friday because it was in the morning because of Guns N' Roses. So they went from about 9 until 1130, and uh, so it was fun hanging out over there. Coach Morningweg, Marty Morningweg was over there, so I got a chance to watch him or hang out with him for a little while while we watched. Uh, he had fun stuff to say about the quarterbacks. Uh, He's definitely proud of Chris Brown because I know Chris Brown went to his quarterback camp several years ago and uh, Marty was like, yeah, I knew he could sling it back then and he looks good. The development looks good. So that's good news for the future uh, of the Grizz. While I was standing there with coach, uh, everybody was kind of walking off the field. So I got a chance to say what's up to Kent Bear. Ran into Kent on the uh, golf course several times uh, this summer. Actually last summer too, up in Columbia Falls one time even. But uh, coach Bear, a wealth of knowledge and a, a good guy. Um, but he, I was just saying, hey, how's it going? He said, man, this might be the team that loves to practice and practices better than any team I've ever been around. Those are strong words from any coach. But this guy's been coaching college football since 1977. I was thinking about this the other day. This guy had already had jobs at um, Stanford, Cal, and Arizona State before either of the coordinators at Montana State were born. Whoa. Camp Bear coached in two Rose Bowls before the coordinators of Montana State were even born. That's how experienced this guy is. So that comes with a lot of gravitas. But, Riley, I know you interviewed Coach Bear today. Uh, So, first of all, where can people find that interview? And second of all, what did you think? Because he does have just, uh, he's forgotten, as as the old cliche goes, he's forgotten more about football than most of us will (laughs) ever know.
1: Well, I had to ask him going in before we started the interview. What year is this for you in coaching, just in general? Because he has fascinating story. I mean, he was coaching national teams over in Japan. I mean, he, he's this, got. I he mean, was
0: coaching these Naval Academy yes, type teams. I mean, yeah. he, he's. He and Bruce guy. Barnum are the two
1: guys that did that. Exactly. I mean, those two guys, would you love to have a beer with both of those? <laughs> By the way, they, they'd be a hoop. But anyway, this is his 49th year. 49th. Coaching. I mean, it's bizarre. I mean, in, in its, its own right, he has been Coulter so pleased and fired up about this defense for a while and he's normally a soft-spoken guy right I always call him, everyone thinks he's all gruff at the beginning he's a big teddy bear right and, and he will let you know he's not a guy that's going to just overly come out with praise sure so when he has that sta- sounds familiar yeah
0: <laughs> no. sounds like the headman. uh-huh
1: business. absolutely so when he comes out and says something it's not just lip service. When he tells you this team loves to practice, they absolutely do. When he is a guy that gets into the office at 6 a.m. and he's got three of his four linebackers that are competing for spots, texting him saying, hey, when can I come in and break down film? That is a real thing, and he absolutely loves it. This guy eats, sleeps, breathes football year-round. And this there's a reason why this team is getting kind of hyped up as the Grizz are back and they can compete for a national championship. I think it starts with his defensive unit, and he was not shy in talking about the natural leadership roles that he sees at each level of the defense, which is so important, right? Because what do we talk about all the time? We always, and not that we're trying to find it, but, okay, what's the weakness on this defense? There's no weakness in that sense. You have leadership, you have depth at every position, right? I mean, I'm not... No, no, out of my... No, no, they,
0: they, they do. They have, they have depth and leadership at all three levels of the defense.
1: And it's taken time now for them to get the roster exactly how they want it from a class perspective where they're not loaded up at one position. Twelve seniors is all that's on this roster as right. well. So they feel like it's a well-oiled machine, but Coach Bear lights up when you talk about his linebackers. And Jace Lewis has been someone that he has had high affinity for,
0: before anyone
1: even knew that Jace Lewis yeah. was going to be 37,
0: Marcus Welner too. Absolutely, I remember when yep. Kent been on campus for he'd been he was in his second week of spring ball. That was when assistant coaches were first still allowed to do interviews, and with, besides with the voice of the Grizz, of course. <laughs> and, and then they've come back around, and now I, I understand what they were doing. There was a new coaching staff that Bobby Alk wanted to direct messages. All good, but I do remember interviewing. Coach Bear, uh, second week of spring ball, and asked about Marcus Wellnell, and he gushed about Wellnell back then, too. And the back end of this defense, just going
1: back to kind of hinting at the the interview that we did that you can see on now on all the Grizz football social media outlets, it just got posted on Twitter at Montana Grizz FB. Couple minutes, just getting a gauge of where Coach is at. And just a, a mini hint at it the back end being solidified, back end being the corners and the safeties, is going to allow this defense to do more which is kind of hard to fathom because as we've touched on, it's taken a couple years for guys like us and even me sitting up there Being able to be in team meetings to understand the concepts and everything they're trying to do from a complex level, it takes some time. I feel for these players trying to study and learn a playbook as well. But the back end being solidified is going to open up a lot of things. And I think for us to be able to watch this, the first two, three, four games, and for Grizz fans, diehards out there that follow scheme and follow trends... I think you're going to see a little bit something different from this Grizzly defense this year. And the main reason behind all that, because the secondary is finally solidified with five solid spots where you know you could go a lot of different routes. So that's the mini hint on what Coach Barrett had to say, but he has plenty of good things to say. Make sure you go check that out on the, the Grizz Football Facebook and Twitter feeds right now.
0: Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuwanez. Talk more Big Sky football, specifically UC Davis, Dan Hawkins. To take you home on a Monday, right after this.
1: to more One, two, three.
0: What is now on ESPN radio I think I broke the radio machine again. Again? Thank God, thank God I, I leave Tommy's for a couple here.
1: months and that just I hasn't know, changed.
0: I know. Like I tell Tommy, he has the greatest job security of the history of mankind because I work here. <laughs> 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 uh, it's Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. I'm Colter Nuanas. Hanging out with you here on a Monday. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, back in studio. It's been a few months. Good having him here. As well, you missed anything in this show. Riley's been riding with us since 5 o'clock. My brother Brooks, uh, SkylineSportsMT.com, got things kicked off for the Montana Football Hour. Also heard from Zach Cruz, Missoula Little Sentinel senior, on his commitment to the uh, University of Montana football team as well. And uh, so going to continue to just break this whole thing down for you. It's so fun talking about and analyzing and previewing for you. And we'll keep doing that here at Nuwana's. Now you missed anything in today's show, you can find it all on the podcast, which is probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, as well as uh, Blackfoot Communications. Wanted to play Dan Hawkins' interview, but I somehow screwed up my logs, so we might have to wait for that for tomorrow. We only have about eight minutes left anyways. So, Riley, while I got you here, I know that you've been sort of diving into uh, Big Sky Conference stuff. So, and you were at the Big Sky Kickoff as well, uh, the media event in late July. But tell me this. So... Uh, I guess, first of all, this is a, just a completely arbitrary and open-ended question for you. Why does it seem like UC Davis is so uh, mysterious or irrelevant to me? I they, th- they just won the league two years ago. I think it's
1: because when they won the league, they finally had expectations, yes. and they let everybody down. And they went 5-6. and
0: I think they were picked second in the league right. preseason poll last year, and they finished 5-6. and six.
1: I think the main reason is we can't trust you. I I think it's more of a a mixed bag. And again, number one, if you don't have a solid quarterback or at least someone we know about, how how can we count on you? Because we couldn't trust you the year that you were supposed to be good. Or if you wanted to be a powerhouse in this league on a consistent basis and not show that you were a flash in the pan, then they would have made the playoffs in 2019. And they didn't. So I think that there's some skepticism. And let's just be very frank about it. There's no coverage of UC Davis. If there is stuff that's going on behind the scenes of, okay, they are picking up more momentum, whatever it might be, we're not hearing about it either. So, with that being said, kind of the proof's in the pudding. The old saying of, okay, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately is they didn't live up to expectations the last time out. They have question marks across the board on the line, in my opinion, and at quarterback. They have Alonzo Gilliam, but... Other than maybe you and a couple other people, who could name five players from UC Davis? That's right. I think they're just a complete unknown, and that's not writing them off by any stretch of the imagination. I think that they're they're on that fringe level of the in the Sac State, UC Davis, maybe Idaho State category, middle Eastern of the league. Eastern Washington.
0: Yeah. See, I've got Eastern in the
1: upper echelon. But yeah, Portland State. See, we're going to have
0: fun with this big See, my, my upper echelon only includes three teams. See, mine includes four. Including Easter. Easter.
1: okay, And and we agree on the other three. I think everyone agrees on the other three. But I think that middle tier, there's always a surprise. And I think that the three candidates right now for the surprise are Sac State, UC Davis, and Idaho State.
0: It won't surprise me at all if Sac State's good.
1: I mean, yes, but at a... Do you expect them to make the playoffs right now?
0: Well, no, because the the history tells you that they don't make the playoffs because they're Sacramento State. You have to be (laughs) one game better... And I I mean that not because Sac State is bad, it's because they don't have the exposure and the reputation. Sac State needs to be one game better than Montana or Montana State to make the playoffs. It's just the fact of the matter. It just it's just how it goes. But I guess people forget that the last couple Sac State teams under Marshall Spurbeck went seven and four and almost made the playoffs. Then. Jody Sears had Sacramento State with one down year, and then he was the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year, and they were on the brink of the playoffs. And then Troy Taylor took him over and got him two games better, and they shared the league title, and they're in the playoffs. The point is, Sac State has had playoff caliber rosters since 2013, so seven or eight years. They just—it's it, the intangible elements that are missing for Sacramento State.
1: And I think Sacramento State too will have kind of a show me game. And I, I look at schedules; I know you do too. And well, I'm sure we'll do this on one of the Mondays leading up to the season. Are those big statement games? And I feel the Big Sky actually has a couple of them this year. We everyone for knows sure. about the James Madison Weber game, but Sac State has an opportunity to kind of defy the narrative that you just explained as yep. far as they need to have a, a be a game better because we don't know about them. They play Northern Iowa in week 2. Yep. Northern Iowa is ranked in pretty much every single poll and that's kind of a 15 versus 20 in the nation depending on where you look at. So we will know early, and I think Sacramento State, same reason as UC Davis, we're not sure what to expect at quarterback. There's a lot of pieces around them. We know the talent level, good coaches now with Hawk and Troy Taylor. So I, I do expect one of the California teams to be the surprise. I think Idaho State's in the level, they're going to win a game or two. They're not supposed to, but consistently to be seven or eight wins and make the playoffs, probably not yet. But Sac State or UC Davis, I feel just naturally one of the top four teams that everyone's talking about. You say it's three. I'd put Eastern Washington in that mix. Sure. One of those teams is going to be a disappointment. We know it. Yep. And the team that's going to slide up is probably Sac State or UC Davis to yep. be that fourth Big Sky playoff team, at least on paper on August 16th, that no, is.
0: No no question. I, I think that, first of all, I think that the most underrated part of what Stack State's got going because Troy Taylor, his offensive mind has been much chronicled and I think that they have great talent that he puts in a position to succeed like Pierre Williams and Elijah Dotson, two of the better skill guys in the league. But the trump card for Sacramento State is that Andy Thompson's one of the best coordinators in the conference, former Grizz linebacker and, uh, He's also one of the veterans of the coaching ranks in the conference. Even though he's a young guy, he's been in the league since he joined Jerome Sauer's staff 15 or 16 years ago. And he's been a defensive coordinator in the league for more than 10 years. So he knows some of the secret sauce for what some of the teams are trying to do. From a UC Davis perspective, I think that the most impactful, I think there's two assistant coaching moves within the league that didn't get a lot of publicity that were big-time moves. One, Bo Baldwin... Taking Paul Wolf from Sacramento State's staff and hiring him at Cal Poly. Paul Wolf is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, period. I know Paul Wolf, his reputation got sort of sullied during the disaster that was Washington State. Thanks I know you're for, a wa- Thanks. I mean, I know it, it was a confluence of events. I know you're a Washington State guy, so you had a front row seat of it. But, for man, FCS Big Sky Conference level, Paul Wolf's been nothing but exceptional, and he is absolutely one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, period. So that's a big move for Bo Baldwin to get him over from uh, Sac State to Cal Poly. But to me, the biggest and most impactful assistant move in the Big State Conference was Tim Plough, who I thought was one of the most gifted offensive play callers in the entire FCS, moving from UC Davis, his alma mater, to Boise State.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that is going to be layer upon layer upon layer of impact I mean, when you're talking about a first-time coordinator at any level, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Cody Hawkins has been an offensive coordinator anywhere else where you have a first-time coordinator going with a first-year starter at quarterback, it's it, it could be just a big-time adjustment period. I know looking at UC Davis's early schedule, they have a couple games where it's kind of a show-me game, and I know that... Maybe on paper, the big sky is supposed to win, but a really intriguing non-conference game to me, Coulter, week two, UC Davis at San Diego. It's interesting. Very interesting. Dale Lindsey still in San Diego? Yes. And so when you're talking Dale about... Lindsey's got
0: it going more than people give him credit for, man. Dale Lindsay was Lawrence Taylor's coach. That's all you need to know.
1: Absolutely. And, <laughs> I mean, he so can recruit. All I can say is, I coached LT. And you look at that game... That could be potentially for a playoff spot, and it's early, too. And UC Davis, if they want to be a team that is talked about in the playoff picture, they can't have growing pains, and they've got a first-year coordinator, and and I'm just saying what everyone else is thinking here. You have a father-son dynamic and head coach offensive coordinator. Is that going to go smoothly? Probably not right away. So, it's a lot. I mean... At the end of the day, I get the ball in Gilliam's hands a lot, but I just there's just too many question marks right now with UC Davis, which is why I put them smack dab in the middle. They're sixth in my preseason poll, and I I just can't with confidence put them any higher, at least right now. But they're intriguing, and as a Grizz fan, probably good to not see them on the schedule this year because they could be an absolute wild card.
0: No question. They'll definitely beat a team or two that they're not, quote-unquote, supposed to beat, but they, they are. They're definitely a mystery. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on a Monday. It is so fun to be talking football again. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Welcome back, man. It was fun having you. We'll be back at tomorrow. The guest host is keep on rolling. Tucker Sargent, somebody that knows nothing about what we're talking about, but everything about all the other stuff we want to talk about. He'll join me tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourself a great Monday evening.